You dust the cobwebs off a brass statue of an angel holding up a candelabra. You don't understand why this palace has to be kept clean. It's been abandoned for over a century. Nobody's coming back to claim it or live in it. It would be of better use to sell all the gold inside this palace to at least make it worth something. You stop cleaning and turn around. Nobody's there. But something does catch your eye. A smudge on the mirror you just left spotless. You approach with your cloth. But once you see the smudge closer, your body goes numb. On the mirror in front of you are two small marks. They look just like a child's handprints. You hear someone knocking, but something about this knock is strange. It's lighter and more muffled. There it is again. You walk closer to the master bedroom, where it seems the sound is coming from. You wonder if somehow a child was trapped inside the bedroom. You reach for the door of the bedroom and open it. Nobody's there. Now it sounds like the knocking is coming back from the other side. You run back outside into the hallway, and suddenly the knocking is coming from behind you again. Your heart skips a beat as you realize the knocking isn't coming from behind the walls, it's coming from inside the walls. Welcome to Haunted Places. I'm Greg Polson. Every Thursday, I take you to the scariest, eeriest, most haunted, real places on Earth. This week, join me on a supernatural journey to the exquisite, opulent Palacio de Linares in Madrid, Spain, and discover why, to this day, it's haunted. Listen to more episodes of Haunted Places, as well as ParCast's other podcasts, on your favorite podcast directory. We're also on Facebook and Instagram, at ParCast, on Twitter, at Parcast Network, and at ParCast.com. Many of you have asked how you can support Haunted Places. If you enjoy the show, the best way to support us is to leave a five-star review, wherever you listen. In Madrid, Spain, sits the elaborate Palacio de Linares. The palace was built in 1877 to serve as a home to the Marques and Marquesa of Linares. The Marques was a Spanish nobleman, ranking above a count and below a duke, and the family displayed their wealth through the exquisite design of the palace. The manor has four floors, the top floor with bedrooms, the mezzanine, the main floor with ballrooms and dining rooms, and the cellar and piano room. Below the cellar, there's a hidden fifth floor, a rarely used basement. The rooms are decorated with an eclectic style, combining Greek, Baroque, and Rococo art and architecture. Each room and hallway in the palace has beautiful marble walls lined with gold detailing and exquisite paintings depicting angels, as well as family portraits. 
massive crystal and brass chandeliers hang from the ceiling of every room, and brass sculptures of goddesses, cupids, and nymphs decorate every corner. Some even say that the statue's eyes have been known to shift and follow guests in the palace. The Marquess and his wife moved in permanently in 1884, along with his young adult son, Jose, who would soon inherit the family's fortune and mansion. Jose grabbed Raimunda's hand and led her through the ornate ballroom. She gasped at its beauty, the likes of which she had never seen before. Crystal chandeliers, pastel and gold walls and murals depicting angels on the ceiling. Jose's heart swelled, excited to show his lover the beautiful and extraordinary things she had only dreamed of. Jose didn't care that his father didn't approve their relationship. Jose's father had told him that he could court and marry any girl he wanted to. But when he introduced his father to Raimunda, the daughter of a poor cigar maker, the Marquess turned pale. Not her, he said. You are forbidden from speaking to her. You must marry any other girl but her. Jose was heartbroken, angry with his father, and determined to marry Raimunda, even if it meant waiting for when his father was no longer around. Any time his parents left the palace for any reason, as far as Jose was concerned, the palace belonged to Raimunda and her beauty. He whisked Raimunda upstairs to show her the ornate golden and red bedrooms. Bedrooms they would sleep in every night as a married couple, or so Jose hoped. Raimunda sat down on the bed, looking as stunning as the golden bed frame surrounding her. He looked at her eyes, striking ivy green, with flecks of golden brown dancing around the center. They were the feature he loved most. Jose saw Raimunda freeze, listening. She insisted to him that she heard something downstairs. Jose assured her that his father would not be home for hours, but he could tell she was still afraid. When Jose had first tried to introduce Raimunda to his father, the Marquess shouted at the couple until he was red in the face and made it explicitly clear that he was disgusted by Raimunda and never wished to meet her. Jose tried to calm her down, but agreed to go downstairs and make sure his father had not come home early. Jose crept down the double staircase, silently, listening for anything out of the ordinary. Everything was in its place. The front door was still locked, and nobody was inside the palace. Jose turned to go back upstairs. His body froze. The sound was coming from the basement below him. He couldn't imagine his father being down there. Perhaps a maid was in the palace and had seen Jose and Raimunda. He had to make sure nobody told his father of his continuing affair. He took a candle from a statue of a lifeless bronze soldier, using it to light his way. He opened the old door to the basement and descended down the old decrepit wooden stairs. A stair snapped beneath his foot. He almost fell, but managed to grab onto the wall, breathing heavily. 
By the time he had reached the bottom stair, he still could not see anybody in the basement. Hello? Jose called out. There it was again. Something moved across the floor in the other end of the basement. He called out to the person again and moved farther into the dark room. By candlelight, he could see an object silhouetted against the wall. He moved closer. He reached out, trembling. It was only an extra dining room chair. Jose had sworn he was certain. No, he must have imagined it. He turned back around to ascend into the main house and suddenly gasped and dropped his candle. A jagged, skeletal figure stood on the basement stairs, blocking his path. The figure stood unnaturally, its neck and arms twisted, its body concealed in shadows. Jose's body was numb with fear. He was overcome with a strange feeling of regret and desperation. Feelings that were not his own, not coming from him, but from something else. It was as if the figure was trying to speak to him, trying to warn him about something. His breath rasped against his dry throat. The creature loomed on the stairs, blocking Jose's only possible exit. He slowly stood up, picked up the chair he had found in the basement, and held it in front of himself as a weapon, shaking. The figure reached out to Jose with its long, claw-like fingers. Stringy black hair covered its face and shoulders, and a torn, stained white gown hung over its skeletal body. He gasped for air, petrified, frozen in fear. The demon grabbed his arms. He struggled to get away, but the looming figure overpowered him and slowly pulled him into a suffocating embrace. When Jose saw the creature's eyes, he suddenly stopped struggling and stood numb with confusion. The demon had sharp, piercing green eyes with dashes of gold pulsating in the center. He shook his head in disbelief as it held him tighter. It whispered cryptic warnings to him. Stay away. Forbidden. The figure suddenly evaporated in midair, leaving Jose alone, gasping on the stairs. Shaking, he ran up to the cellar, locked the basement door behind him, and through his blind panic and nausea, ran to Raimunda in the bedroom. She gasped when she saw how pale and afraid he was. He couldn't explain to her what he had just seen. Even if he could, it would scare her away from him and this palace. But then, Raimunda spotted something on her lover's clothing, and she carefully removed a stray piece of fabric that had caught onto his shirt. With horror, he realized it was a piece of the demon's dress, which must have ripped off as he fled. Raimunda held it, trembling. I know this fabric, she said. This is from my mother's dress. 
the Marquess of Linares forbade his son from marrying Raimunda de Osorio y Ortega, a cigar seller's daughter. Jose went against his father's wishes and married Raimunda after the Marquess died and lived with her in the family's palace. After their wedding, Jose found a letter from his father explaining with great shame that his father had had an affair with Raimunda's mother and Raimunda was his secret love child. To his horror, Jose realized that the reason he was forbidden to marry Raimunda is that she was his sister. We'll have more about their illicit union in just a moment. Now, back to the story. Violent rain pelted down onto the roof of the Palacio de Linares. Raimunda sat, rocking back and forth on the floor next to the bed, while her husband, Jose, had locked himself and their infant daughter in the washroom. Jose had slowly lost his mind ever since he found out that Raimunda was his sister. First, it was the paranoia. He had been convinced that there were people watching his every move, judging him, shaming him. He would scream into the palace garden and look obsessively inside closets, even when Raimunda told him nobody was there. He told her he saw ghosts, the ghost of his father, the ghost of her mother, and he had begun to refrain from sleeping. She had tried to reason with him, bring him back, but now, with the birth of their daughter, Raimundita, the paranoia overtook Jose. The Pope had made them promise a life of celibacy. Little Raimundita would be considered a crime against God if anyone ever found out about her. Jose had made up his mind that nobody would. If she was alive, she would never be safe. Her husband had told her that it would be quick and to pray and repent until he came back inside the bedroom. Raimunda couldn't pray. She heard Jose turn on the faucet of the exquisite gold bathtub. She trembled, hearing the jet of the water fill the empty tub. She couldn't stop thinking about Jose pushing Raimundita under the water. Raimunda felt rage overcome her. Her husband should be punished, should die for what he was doing. And yet, she couldn't bring herself to stop him. If anyone found out about their daughter, she would be excommunicated, ostracized, publicly branded a pervert and a devil worshiper and an enemy of the church. She became sick to her stomach, hearing water running in the next room over. The crying stopped. Raimunda held her breath, wondering what Jose would do next. She heard the bathtub drain. She sat, shaking, listening, to all her husband's movements from outside the bedroom door. She jumped at the unexpected noise. Her heart beat faster. It sounded like someone was trying to break through one of the walls in the palace. She covered her face with a pillow, weeping. Raimunda was sure it was the devil breaking down the walls to drag her and Jose to hell. She took a deep breath, summoned her courage, 
and opened the door. As she entered the hallway, her foot caught on something. It was a silk tapestry torn off the wall. She stepped forward and saw Jose, ragged and pale and covered in sweat, dark rings under his bloodshot eyes. He faced the wall where the tapestry used to hang. A hammer lay by his feet. He had broken a hole in the wall and was now sealing it back up, brick by brick. She gasped as she witnessed what he was hiding there. Raimundita limp, her eyes staring lifelessly at Raimunda. Her husband turned to her and sharply whispered for her to go back to bed. Dizzy, she stumbled back into their bedroom as Jose finished patching up the wall. She collapsed on the bed and slept, troubled, hating the man who slept next to her, her brother. Raimunda jolted awake. She had sworn she had heard... She stayed frozen, her heart beating out of her chest. But slowly, she convinced herself that she had not heard anything. Raimundita was dead. Jose had drowned her and hidden her body in the walls. She laid back down to drift back to sleep. Her eyes shot open again, and she sat upright. Suddenly, she could feel her daughter's energy nearby. She must have survived. Raimunda was sure of it. She flew out of the bedroom and to the hallway where Jose had buried their daughter. She tore the tapestry off of the wall and was faced with a freshly mortared stack of bricks. She tried to tear through the surface with her hands, but she wasn't strong enough. She searched desperately for Jose's hammer. When she found it, she madly hacked away at the wall until she was finally able to break through the brick. But nothing was there. Her heart beat faster and faster. She swore she heard her infant daughter screaming from behind this wall. She had just watched her husband. She saw the baby's lifeless body. And now, she had vanished. Raimunda turned around in horror. She could hear her daughter singing from somewhere else in the house. Somewhere behind another wall. She rushed to the wall where the singing was coming from. Suddenly, she heard laughing from behind a painting on the other end of the hallway. Raimunda rushed to Jose, shaking him awake. Jose woke up, shocked. Raimunda cried, help me find her. Where is the sound coming from? Jose stared at her, confused. He didn't know what sounds Raimunda was talking about. Raimunda collapsed on the floor. The sounds of her child crying and singing from inside the walls overwhelmed her. Her husband could not hear them, but Raimunda would always hear them. She would hear them until the day she died. According to legend, Jose and Raimunda went to the Pope for forgiveness after finding out they were brother and sister as well as husband and wife. The Pope issued a papal bull demanding that they live a life of celibacy, 
However, the two could not maintain their celibate promise and ended up giving birth to Raimundita, a child of incest. Jose drowned Raimundita and hid her body within the walls of the palace. People say they can still hear a little girl singing, crying, or calling out for the spirits of her parents who perished from guilt and heartbreak. We'll visit with that little girl's spirit in just a moment. Now, back to the story. The basement and cellar of the Palacio de Linares were finally finished and no longer under construction. The double staircases, the ballrooms, the elaborate bedrooms, and now the completed piano room were all yours. Your godparents, Jose and Raimunda, the Marques and Marquesa of Linares, gave this palace to you after their deaths. You find it strange that Jose and Raimunda never had any children of their own, because from what you saw of them, they were incredibly in love, obsessed even. And yet, here you are, their goddaughter, and the rightful heir of their palace. You gaze upon the immaculate gold detailing on the walls, the red velvet ropes holding brass chandeliers to the ceiling and the beautifully intricate tapestries and portraits that decorated the walls of your palace. Your heart begins to flutter with excitement. This palace could be a second home for you. Your parents already have their own mansion, and yet all these rooms, all this gold, and all this magnificent furniture was yours. You could take what you liked, move things to your parents' mansion, and sell the items you didn't fancy. You wander into the master bedroom, adorned with golden statues of Greek goddesses, and lie down on the cloud-like bed, smiling. This truly is heaven. You begin to drift off to sleep, staring at the one grotesque painting in the entire palace, a portrait of your godmother, Raimunda, after her prime. Her corpulent body is unnaturally larger than her small pointed head, and her facial features at that age resemble a pig. Across the room is a similarly vile painting of your godfather, Jose. His strange, beady eyes stare at nothing, and a repulsive white mustache takes up most of his face. You giggle to yourself as you drift to sleep. You'll have to move those somewhere else. You don't want to fall asleep every night looking at that. A gust of wind wakes you from your sleep. You must have left the window open. It's dark outside now. And you slowly stand and feel around the room until you can find a candle and a matchstick. The candle illuminates part of the bedroom. Out of the corner of your eye, you see something strange. You step over to the portrait of your godmother and lean in close to see that the portrait has another figure in it, one you didn't notice before. A little girl stands behind Raimunda in the painting. Somehow, she feels more alive than the rest of the portrait. She clings to Raimunda's skirt and looks off toward the direction of the window. A fearful, wary look in her eyes. You step back from the painting and close the window. 
you lie back in bed and drift off to sleep once more, ready to go through all your new possessions in the morning. The next morning, you wake up to beautiful natural light flooding the bedroom. As you get dressed and begin to put on your shoes, you see the painting of your godmother out of the corner of your eyes. You drop your shoes on the ground, stunned. Raimunda stands alone in the portrait. There is no little girl. You back out of the room, uneasy. Maybe the little girl in the painting was just in a dream you had. You wander into the hallway. Everything is still in place. Your beautiful mansion is still real. But just as you finally start to relax, you hear a little girl laughing. You whip around, wondering if you didn't lock the door before you went to sleep. You can't see anyone inside, but wait a minute. There's something strange about the silk tapestry covering the hallway wall. You quietly walk over to it and study the images woven into the fabric. There are angels in heaven playing trumpets and dancing, and a girl dressed in clothes that do not match the robes of the angels. As you look closer, your stomach drops. This girl is undoubtedly the same girl you saw in Raimunda's portrait last night. Except now, she's smiling and dancing with angels. You tear the tapestry from the wall, hoping to sell it later that day. Hoping that when you unroll it for a prospective buyer, the little girl will be gone. When it comes down, you find an uneven brick wall behind it, which looks shoddily constructed much different from the intricate, fine craftsmanship seen elsewhere in the palace. A strange, innocent, yet haunting laughter echoes down the hallway. You run into the ballroom, where it seems the noise is coming from. You look around, but not for a person. You look at all the paintings, finally you find one with two dogs chasing each other. In the background of the painting stands the little girl. This time she stares straight at you, expressionless. You gasp and take the painting off the wall. You put it in the box with the tapestry and run straight into town to sell them. The next couple of days are quiet and peaceful. You have begun sleeping with the lamp on, just in case you get frightened in the middle of the night. The next night, you are woken up by somebody pounding on the door. Heart racing, you run out of the bedroom into the hallway. But nobody is there. Suddenly, the pounding is coming from inside the bedroom door. You run back inside and freeze as you see her. The little girl is in Jose's portrait. Her head tilted down unnaturally. Her eyes staring up at you menacingly. You scream in horror and tear the portrait off the wall. You bring the painting to the roaring fireplace downstairs and toss it into the flames. You stare at the painting as it begins to melt. Your hands shaking and your breath rattling. 
Something from inside the fire screams to you, almost pleading, but you're determined to let the painting burn. For the rest of the night and the entire next day, you tear the paintings off the wall and try to sell or dispose of as many as you can. You sing or hum songs from your childhood the whole day, afraid of the silence, afraid you're going to hear the screams and laughter of the girl. By the end of the day, the house looks barren, but with no paintings on the walls, you can finally assure yourself that whatever has happened will stop. Exhausted, you curl up on the floor at the bottom of the double staircase. Your breath catches in your throat. She was still here, singing the songs you had been singing all day. You stand up, trembling, and walk to where the sound is coming from. A bathroom with a large golden tub. There are no paintings in the bathroom. This time, the sounds are not coming from a painting. They're coming from behind a mirror. You peer into the mirror and gasp. Instead of your reflection, you see her, the little girl. As you stare at her, you realize her face is deformed, asymmetrical. She smiles darkly at you and puts her hand up to the mirror. Your throat closes and you cannot breathe. It is as if your lungs are filling with water. You look at the child's eyes, begging, but she just stares at you. The door behind you slams shut. Two tall apparitions appear in the mirror behind the deformed girl. Your heart drops when you see that they're your godparents, Jose and Raimunda. They stand behind the girl, expressionless. A chilling family portrait. Water begins to spill from each of their mouths as they stare straight ahead, eyes glazed over. As your lungs start to fail you, you suddenly understand. This palace does not belong to you. When Jose and Raimunda died, they had no children, so they willed their palace and possessions to their goddaughter. The goddaughter only stayed in the palace for a short time before she began selling all the paintings or shipping them to Venezuela and ultimately abandoning the mansion. Only recently, in 2016, were the paintings found and the palace restored to its original splendor. Emily's parents were excited to see the palace. Her father wanted to tour as many historical sites as he could while they were on vacation in Madrid. Emily, however, had become bored of all the stuffy, guided tours. Maybe she would have fun if she and other kids could explore the palace on their own. But every tour she had been to on this vacation had a strict, regimented order of what rooms people were allowed to stand in and when. Emily's mom began pointing out all the boring golden picture frames and blue marble walls. Emily rolled her eyes as the tour guide droned on about architecture. 
but she perked up at the sound of distant laughter. She thought there must be other kids her age in this mansion. Emily slowly broke away from her parents, making sure she was being subtle enough that nobody caught her. She pretended to look at a tapestry of a little girl surrounded by angels playing trumpets and waited for the tour to move on without her. When they had turned the corner into the master bedroom, Emily snuck off to find the other little girl. Emily followed the sounds of the girl's laughter, but instead found a massive ballroom decorated with red and gold curtains and dragon statues. She went through every closet, corridor, and spare room she could find before realizing the girl must not be there anymore. Disappointed, Emily decided to go back to the tour. When she walked back to the double staircase where she left her family, she couldn't find them anywhere. She called out to her parents. There was no way they could be far. She was only gone for 10 minutes or so. Suddenly, Emily thought she heard their voices in the cellar area where the piano was. She went down a flight of stairs to the piano room, calling for her parents. Then she heard a knock on a strange door. She called out to her mother, and a voice behind the door seemed to respond. Emily realized the tour must have gone down into this room. She slowly opened the door. Beneath her was a staircase that led down into the basement. She felt uneasy, but knew she had to get to her parents. She crept down the stairs leading into the dark basement. She called after her parents once again, and once again heard a response. A candle in the basement suddenly lit. Emily saw two strange figures. Her heart began pounding. This was not the tour group. The man and woman were dressed in odd, old-fashioned clothing. The woman was fat, with a pig-like face, and the man had a strange, large, white mustache. They stood in front of her, silently staring. Emily was frightened, but thought perhaps they could help her. They stepped closer. Stuttering, Emily explained that she lost her parents and needed help finding them. The pair silently crept closer, eyes wide and focused on Emily. They beckoned to her, opening their arms for an embrace. She heard the man whispering apologies and watched as silent tears began to stream down the woman's face. Emily backed up, terrified, and turned to run up the stairs, but the basement door slammed shut. The old man and woman kept coming, smiling warmly, sorrow and regret in their eyes. They slowly began to repeat over and over again in a whisper that they had finally found their daughter. The Palacio de Linares in Madrid is tied to numerous twisted legends, 
Even though historians have not been able to fully separate fact from fiction when it comes to the tale of Jose and Raimunda and their incestuous love child, workers and night watchmen have reported adult-sized shadow figures, potentially Raimunda and Jose, standing in hallways of the mansion. Employees and visitors of the palace in recent years can confirm sightings of a little girl who laughs, sings, and cries. And many have claimed they can hear her to this day calling for her murderous mother and father. Thanks for listening to Haunted Places. A new episode comes out every Thursday. Listen to all of ParCast's podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, CastBox, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast directory. Many of you have asked how to help the show. And if you enjoy Haunted Places, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review wherever you listen. We'll see you next week. Haunted Places was created by Max Cutler. It's a production of Cutler Media and is part of the Parcast Network. It's produced by Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Ron Shapiro. With production assistance by Joel Stein, Paul Mahler, Maggie Admire, and Carly Madden. Haunted Places is written by Olivia De Laurentiis. I'm Greg Polson.